This is The Hidden Wire Podcast, episode 640 with Jody Amon. Welcome to The Hidden Wire's 30-minute power segment. I am passionate about creating a lifestyle that minimizes suffering and regret. The purpose of life is not simply to survive, but to thrive, and I believe we do that by creating a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Each week, I'll be delivering a 30-minute conversation with a guest expert on a topic that they are knowledgeable and passionate about, with the purpose to inspire and educate us all. I don't have all the answers. I'm simply trying to figure life out. And through greater awareness and understanding, I can put into practice what I learned to further my life's progression. I can't give you your life's map. I can't show you the way, but I can assist you in discovering your why. I can help you define your life's compass to guide you purposefully to act on and pursue your life's desires. And from there, watch happiness ensue. My guests are the experts. They are the people I learn from. They provide the inspiration, education, and methodology that we can all benefit from in better navigating the ultimate life. Without further ado, let the show begin. Today's featured guest is Jody Amon. The topic is happier. Jodi is a psychotherapist and for over 20 years she has helped clients recover from every problem in the book. Through humour and warmth, her popular videos inspire thousands of people over the world to give up their fear and live with vitality. Having clawed her own way out of anxiety and depression, Jodi shares her personal transformation story in this episode, plus the practical tools that can help everyone live with a greater sense of happiness in their everyday life. It's about finding meaning and purpose, the intangibles that bring us happiness in life. Enjoy the show with Jodi Amon. Thank you. G'day Jodi and welcome to the Hidden White Podcast. How are you today? Great, thanks. It's good to have you on the show. Looking forward to the uh, topic today. We're talking about happier. And uh, you do a lot of work in this space, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. I've been doing this for many, many years, over 20 years. I've been helping people heal from emotional distress as a psychotherapist and find happiness in their life. Okay. Happiness. I mean, I want to find out your journey as well, but um, the, the, the search for happiness Um, Some people might argue that it's a wasted pursuit. Um, What are your thoughts? Well, I think you have to define happiness, Hmm. you know, and it's such a general term. And so I think when people say it's, it's useless, part of it is because they're saying that the term is so general and we really look for specifics. We want specific results. And when you say, I want to be happier, it's hard to measure that. Mm. And I think that's why people, you know, kind of poo-poo it. Yeah, that makes sense. So what, what, um, what is a good definition for the audience to perhaps work with? I mean, is there one definition or is happiness really an individual definition? Well, definitely what you, what you want to make your life, the life you want to make it, um, not to be redundant, but is different for each person. So people, what they want to bring in their life is different. Hmm. But the overall idea of, you know, my formula for happiness is simple, and we'll, we'll take this whole time to talk about it, but it's get rid of the things in your life that you don't want, mm-hmm. bring in the things in your life that you want, 
and then practice that. Keep practicing that. That's three. So three steps. You get out of this, get out stuff you don't want, you bring in stuff you do want, and you practice it every day. And so obviously those things in number one and two are going to change per person, but it's about how to live your best life. Like how to, you know, there is going to be suffering in this life. We know that there is going to be challenges. There's going to be loss. And how do you enjoy yourself despite that or feel good about yourself or feel connected feel loved or and show love to other people despite all those bad things i think that's what what's really important to us yeah cool i like that um and well summarized to, to begin the show with what's your journey here with happiness i believe you went through um a bit of depression and anxiety in your own life Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm sure I'm not alone. I mean, it's almost every person goes through some hard times in their life, but mine was quite young. You know, I, I started having anxiety when I was just five years old and had panic attacks constantly, lost a third of my body weight, couldn't be alone. At five years um, old? Stopped, five years old. Yeah. I started really struggling. I, I, um, asked What's my going parents, on there? Hmm. I, <laughs> I was in the U.S. We celebrate Pres- President's Day and we celebrate President Washington and Lincoln, some of our first forefathers, and in February. And it was a February, and we were, I was at this class with my father, and we were learning about the presidents. And um, I asked my dad on the way home, I was like all happy and just like sing-songing in the car. And I was like, wait a minute, Dad, where are the presidents now? You know, we learned about them a long t- from a long time ago, but where are they now? And he just got really pale, and his neck got really long, and he, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know what. He said, they're dead. And I was like, what's dead? You know, I'm like five. And he was like, um, you know, it's when you don't wake up anymore. You know, you're, you're gone, basically. And the duality of this life and knowing that there's suffering and that at any time what we love can be taken away made me feel like I was insecure and vulnerable. Like I never understood before that. And so you're not secure at all. If you, it can be lost at any time, there's just no security. And that understanding, even as a five-year-old, I got that this is, we are, suffering in this life, you know? So I, that's when I started to have panic attacks and it lasted for, I don't know, for 20 years. Um, so fast forward, I, I, yeah, I decided to be a social worker. So is that because you had depression, anxiety? Is that why you chose this sort of path? I'm, I'm sure because when I was in high school, so depressed and anxious that, and so lonely in that, you know, when you're depressed and anxious, you, you tend to isolate yourself. Um, you're pretty sensitive to other people. You think everyone's judging you. Um, you're worried that you're a burden on other people. And so you pull back. Um, you also worry that you're crazy. You don't want anyone to see that. Uh, you think you're dark inside. And so there's this isolation that we do to ourselves. So that, that affected you in the way that you did pull back? You, you weren't very social? You were a bit of a loner, absolutely. I guess? Absolutely. So I was yeah. very, very lonely. And I um, pulled back and I just felt like no one understood. And I had no friends. And I think that's pretty common. But um, in that loneliness, I've, I, there was a couple times in high school that I was actually there for somebody else. Uh, that somebody else was struggling and I was the person who was the listener, who was the helper, who was the compassionate person or the friend, the shoulder. And that made me feel connected. 
those few times made me feel so connected and um, a sense of belonging. And so I think that's what started my path as a helper, as a healer for other people, because that it healed me doing that. Um, and not that I went in it for selfish reasons, because it was a mutual, mutually beneficial. You know, those friends are still my friends, um, and they still remember that time. But uh, so I didn't like selfishly take the good feelings and you know and use them. But um, that I think that started me on my path, absolutely, from that young age. But sometimes it's that you know it it, it can come across selfish, um, you know that sort of behavior. But sometimes that is the pursuit, you know. We we are all very selfish in our pursuits generally, and I think sometimes you need to do that to to find your way out of those dark places. Yeah, and I, I don't think of selfishness in the same kind of way because I, I really have come to understand as people's being so connected. You know, our minds are really connected, so as I heal, people heal around me. As I help someone else heal, I do heal. Hmm. Like there's not much of a separation. So I don't think of it as selfish. If I do something for me, it is going to affect everyone around me. And if I do something for somebody else, it's going to affect everyone around them, including me. So like we're not separated in a way. So, you know, when you're younger, you kind of, you just look for any way to judge yourself. Like I'm selfish, but, um, but yeah, but I kind of let a lot of that go as I, as I matured. Yeah. Perhaps some people more than others, I guess it brings about that sense of guilt, you know, that you're looking after yourself before others. And maybe that's just the size of your compassion or something. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know. I like to bust that bubble because, um, you know, we don't need another place to judge ourselves. It's too rampant as it is. Hmm. Interesting. So you've definitely got a, a personal story there, and for the last twenty years, been working in this field, um, particularly helping people with depression and anxiety. Or do you do you help people from uh, multiple different you know platforms? Yeah, I mean, there, you know, people have depression and anxiety is kind of a catch-all in a way because no matter what problems you have in your life, what struggles you have, you know, you do have sadness that comes with the loss, and you do have negative self-judgment that comes with it quite often, most of the time, and then you do have worry about that. I mean, if you look at even like Buddhism, you know, you could have contentment, you could have pain in life, but the suffering comes with the angst and the fear. And that's really what we see in every single person. They have the problem or the event in their life that's going to affect them. And then they have that, and that's their pain. But the suffering that they really have is the angst and the fear. And really that's what the depression and anxiety kind of comes with our other problems. So I use it in maybe a different way than most people think of those terms. Um, depression to me is when you have a situation, you have a feeling, and then immediately you start to judge yourself. So let me give you an example. My mom lost a friend. She passed away quite suddenly. Um, it was very traumatic. You know, she was with her and had to take her to the hospital in a couple days in the hospital work when her kids came down and decided what to do and she passed. And so then she came back, they were on vacation together. So mm -hmm. then she came back to Rochester, um, and my hometown and we were all hanging out, you know, having breakfast visiting after this. And she was talking about it and she's like, I don't know how, I don't know why I can't get over this. <laughs> I'm like, mom, it was a week ago, a week ago. She was like, I don't know why I'm not over this. She felt like she was overreacting. So we have a feeling and immediately we think we're overreacting. 
and something's wrong with us and everyone else can handle it but us and we can't handle it. And then the worry comes in, like, what's wrong with me? How am I going to ever decode at this? And the, the situation grows and grows and grows and grows. And that's what I think about when I think about depression. I don't think about clinical mental illness thing. I think about how heavy it becomes, our emotions become when we add on the original feeling is totally appropriate to the situation and we add on all of this guilt and all of these worries to it. It's so heavy and huge. Hmm. So something to do with something that's happened, um, more so with the depression by the sounds of it. So something happens, you get some feelings and then those feelings become overwhelming to a point of depression? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about it, anxiety? That- same. So same. So anxiety feeds itself. It's like the leftover fear response when you're not in physical danger, but it feels so scary that it actually, you're afraid of the anxiety coming back. It could be triggered by a situation, but you're afraid of the anxiety in that situation. Some people are just afraid of the anxiety. So they're afraid of the panic attacks coming back. And so kind of live in fear of the panic attacks coming. Of course, that feeds the panic attacks. And then they come because Mm. you're afraid of it. So it kind of feeds itself in that way. And anxiety really could happen to anyone. Um, mm -hmm. I I heard um, recently anxiety explained as more, you know, things to do with what might happen, the fear of, of the future. Whereas depression's more to do with past events, and obviously there's probably a link between the two from what's happened and how that creates anxiety for what you think might happen going forward. Yeah. Well, yeah, anxiety is always afraid of something in the future. Depression, it's a great way to, it's like a metaphor or way to think about it. It's like resentment of the past or sadness or um, regret or something. But, you know, these words are really weird because everybody thinks of them differently. And that's a huge problem, but there's nothing really to do about it. Some people think of depression and they think this is it, but there is no universal definition for these terms. They should be used as descriptions. You know, when you de- you're describing a way that you feel or a situation that you're in, um, it's easier. That we takes the stigma out of it if we use them as descriptions instead of a, as definitive terms, because nobody agrees what these mean. Okay, yeah, interesting. Um, and you know, with the feelings associated with it, usually the feelings that, that we have as human beings are there for some purpose. Like it's it's there to help us with you know our progression, our survival. Um, is that something you agree with? And if so, you know, what sort of, I mean, are these always true feelings or are they sometimes misleading? Sometimes. Okay. So the answer is sometimes they are, um, part of, you know, sometimes they are to call our attention to something. We have a feeling and it calls our attention so we could decide what to do or mm-hmm. decide what to think or plan something differently. Uh, quite often you see people have feelings and they do that work. That's a work to do in our life, you know, to process that or decide or whatever. But sometimes the feelings keep coming back, even though you did the work, like you faced your fear, but the anxiety comes back. Um, and then I've seen people hear that, that they have to, this is a message and you have to do something about it and they keep attaching to it. So they've done the work already. This, they've already done the work, but the feeling comes back and they're like, okay, I got to do the work again. And okay, I got to face this and I'm going to, what's wrong? Why did it happen again? Now they're getting attached to it. Can you see what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they could have already did the work, but it comes back and they just have to say, oh, I knew you'd come back, you know, because it's human for it to come back. That is very human. And so you say, you know, I already figured you out. 
But our mind instead, our mind starts to question, our mind starts to judge, and we start to attach to again. So I don't want people always, whatever you feel, find out what it's for, because I feel like that attaches people a lot of times when they don't need to. Sometimes. Oh, you there? Well, I've just lost Jodie. Hopefully we'll get her back on the You second. did. There you are. Well, well, I've lost her again. She came back for her one moment there. I'm back. There you I'm are. Back. Hi. Sorry. I must, have ja- I must have touched my computer and it came, it's dislodged. You got too excited. <laughs> I know. I got too excited. I, I'm Italian and I move my hands. <laughs> so I, I must have just like hit the corner. I'm so sorry. I didn't know it was that sensitive. It's all good. Ah, wait, wait, wait. I think you're I in a sentence. Anyway. I was probably talking and talking. Um, so yeah, we were talking about the depression, anxiety, and and how it relates to the feelings that we have, and and whether you follow them or not. And I think that's a really good point: is you know not attaching yourselves to those feelings because attachment obviously can lead to those um, calls for judging yourself or yeah the inner critic to come out, which is not going to help you move forward through through that moment. What I like about the conversation so far, however, is you know the idea of happiness and how. You know, not every moment in our life is going to be uh, lived in a, in a purely blissful, happy state in that sort of definition. There is suffering in our lives. It's about how to find the tools and practices to help you, you know, be satisfied with each moment moving forward, I guess. It sounds like you uh, prescribe to some Buddhist practice as well there, Jody. I could be wrong with that, but certainly... No, like yeah, that's right. you got yeah, some that's research right. and knowledge like there. There's so much wisdom. There's so much wisdom there. Hmm. And it really fits with, you know, everything that I see. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to us. Um, I guess we've got about 10 or so minutes to go. I just want to learn from you. I mean, you've mentioned your formula before, but how do we work with that formula to, you know, find the practices to develop that, that level of happiness that we desire in our life? Okay. So the letting go piece, the number one, the letting go piece is really a biggie. So that's removing that's what, what you don't want? <laughs> Removing in your life what you don't want. And some of that is like these, you know, being hooked on your past, um, something that's happened in the past and you just feel like you can't get over, somebody's hurt you, mistakes you've made, that kind of stuff, usually tends to bring our happiness level down, uh, hugely down. Um, because when we are hooked on that past stuff, what we've done wrong, what someone else has done to us, um, we tend to judge ourselves huge. We tend to doubt ourselves, and we don't trust ourselves, and that's when anxiety could come into our life. Is when you don't trust yourself, you're afraid of everything. Because what if something bad happens again? How are you going to handle it? Um, so letting go of the past is is so important. And I think people don't teach how to do this. No, and it's that's easier, what, easier said no. than done, I guess. Yeah, everyone said to let go, but nobody teaches like practically how to do this. Mm. Um, but, but I do. I, I have a. Um, audio, free audio on my website. That's these, my three practical steps to letting go, like literally what you do. Um, because I think it's like we, and people end up judging themselves so much because they don't know how to let something go. Hmm. 
And, and so, um, they, they attach to it more. It's like when we want to let something go, we're like, and we start thinking about it again, we start judging ourselves. It's like, Oh, I'm thinking about it again. I can't get it out of my mind. What's wrong with me. And you're just attaching to it even more. Hmm. And, and that people are trying to let go and they're actually doing the opposite. And so that's, um, and then they feel like a failure and that everyone can do it than that, but them. And it's, it's quite, quite difficult. So that is really important to learn how the steps, how, and I could tease them out here is, um, you know, you deserve it. That's the first thing. And the second one is, um, just set the intention. But the third one is the most important one. It's how to, it's practice because you don't just let go. It's not just a one thing. It's like a verb. You have to keep practicing it, um, in order to get detached without judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you sort of teach like meditation or mindfulness is as a part of that process of practice or what sort of specific techniques could someone, you know, that, that is aware that they attach themselves to things that they could maybe take away today and just, you know, just work with that to, to try and let go of whatever that feeling is. Yeah, what I teach is self-compassion. It is definitely guided by the principles of mindfulness, which I've been practicing for 20 years. But um, but being but whatever you feel, anything you feel, you just say understand. Hmm. We don't do that, you know. We just we anything we feel, we go. Why are we feeling that? What's that about? Oh my God, what's wrong with us? And every so I teach people every single thing you feel. You say, oh, I understand why I feel that way because it is understandable. Really, most of these things are very, very human, very understandable. Um, I also teach people to like, kiss their finger and touch their heart, like with your hand, like a, like your hand, relaxed hand. I kind of kiss my the knuckle on my forefinger and then touch my heart. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to throw compassion at myself. And this is one of the best things that you could do to not attach to something is to understand it instead of immediately judging it. Um, and sometimes we don't have to let it go. Once we do that, throwing compassion at first of all, validates us because we're invalidated. We grab stuff more tightly, but when we're validated, um, and don't judge it, it just has nothing to hold on to. And it kind of slips away. Yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. I like that. So letting go of it, letting go of the past and removing what you don't want and then looking for things that you do want in your day. Yeah, absolutely. Like what, what do you most want your day to be like? Like, you know, what's your purpose here? Do you want to make other people feel loved? Sometimes something simple, like leave people happier than you leave people a little bit better than you found them. Like wherever you Hmm. go, like everyone you meet, just leave them. What if you had to just leave them a little better with a smile or, um, a kind word or some, you know, compliment. How easy is that? Yeah. but what if we did something like that? What if we had some kind of purpose for being here, kind of to make all this pain and suffering worthwhile, like to give it meaning that we're here and going through this suffering, but we could do something with it, like be kind to somebody else, help someone else who is in our shoes, um, you know, call a friend, be there for somebody, um, or have, you know, adventures. So it doesn't have to be always for other people bringing things in your life. You might love to be outside a lot or climb mountains or be in the water. Um, you know, how to bring, what are the things you love to do? 
how do you make prior, how do you prioritize that in the day? Be with the people that you love. Hmm. Um, you know, one of the biggest things in all these studies that they're doing on happiness lately is being surrounded by, or in face-to-face interactions, even if it's just a little, um, you know, um, just little shop talk or something. But if you are around people that are positive and lift you up, that is what makes or breaks your life. Hmm. And so that is number two. You got to bring in those, you know, be surrounded by good people, let go of the bad people. So yeah, definitely helping others, looking for a way to serve, leaving people, um, you know, better than you found them. Uh, I think, you know, connection. Absolutely in those yeah. social situations face-to-face. You talk about a lot of stuff that's very intangible, I suppose, and when people, um, you know, I, this is just an assumption, when when you say look look for things that you want more of in your life, often people will look immediately, oh, well, I, I want more money, I want a bigger house, you know, all the, all the material, superficial sort of things. Do you find that? Um, maybe sometimes if they're, sometimes people do say that, but you could, you could look at these Gallup polls that they're doing. The National Geographic is doing all these polls of country people all over the world. And it is over and over again, proven that that doesn't create happiness um, at all. And so it's really about, and, and you could also see all these people made a lot of money. It's like you either have money or you have time. And so you could have a lot of money. You, you, use all of your health to make a lot of money. And then you have to spend all the money to get your health back because you have cancer or something because you worked yourself into a hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see that kind of stuff over and over that you work really hard to make money, but you lose relationships and lose this and lose that. And so w- I think we're creating a new world. Like the new rich are not doing that. They're like, we are not working our everything away because what's the point we want to be happy too and if it's not being rich that's what they do uh, so i think people are changing i see a shift not everybody but some people you see that shift happening and um it's good because really being around people that you care about and who love you is really the top the top important thing but i think sometimes you know just in my observations is when you find people that are suffering with anxiety and depression they are very much focused on more the tangible parts of their life and rather than the intangible and perhaps that comes uh, hand in hand through the package but often it's about sort of taking their attention like you said I think you said it brilliantly before finding meaning in your life and when you find that level of meaning it helps you you know deal with any level of suffering that you might be facing because it sort of becomes a little less um or you, you become a little less attached to it I guess Exactly. Um, exactly. And what, you know, when you have anxiety or depression or sadness or suffering at all, you're in your head a lot. You know, you're in your head and not kind of live in your life. And so, when you start to get out of your head and be with other people, it does help your anxiety and depression also. Um, and, and so, that's I think the biggest reason. Like isolation is the worst thing hmm. for our human psyche. And a lot of times, when you're depressed and anxious, you start to get isolated, and then you just go downhill. And so, when you have and you feel worthless and purposeless and untethered and awful when you're in that isolation. And so, if you have some meaning and some purpose and some worth, it, it really does change in connection it changes everything so find meaning find purpose and that should help you lead to a little bit more happiness in your life jody i'm sure you've got lots of techniques tools and practices at your website so i think that's uh, jodyaman.com is that right 
Yes, jodyamon.com. And if you Amen. want, you could, oh, yeah, Amen. Hey, we practice okay. this. That's, a, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, jodyamon.com. And I do have that. I'd love you all to come get my MP3, How to Let Go When No Longer Serves You. And you could get real details on those steps. Um, because I'm, you know, if, if it's not practical, it's really hard for us to get it. We need that practical uh, teaching. Absolutely. You can learn all the theories in the world, but if you're not practicing, it's not going to take you far. Exactly. Any, any, any final thoughts on the topic of happiness? Well, the, the, sure. The number three is practice. So, you know, the, the first get it out, the bring it in, and number three is practice. That means that you don't just do it and you're happy. I mean, happy people are just not lucky. Happy people generate their happiness every day. They mm. work hard to bring it in. Every day you have to let go of stuff because new stuff comes in or old stuff comes up. That was dig that was deep inside, and every day you have to really prioritize bringing in the good and being around people that lift you up. And so the practice is the essential part of it. Yeah. Is that we don't have to succeed; we just have to practice. We don't have to perform; we have to practice in this life. It takes a lot of the stress away to think that this is just a practice. We're just here practicing, being happy, and um, pretty soon it gets easier and easier and easier. Um, but we still work for it. So that's bringing it to you know our, our level of attention and awareness every day, so we we can look you know view those things that perhaps we want to remove or the perhaps the things we want to bring in. So having it at the forefront of our awareness, we can continue to you know work on them, work towards them, work on those practices that help us get them. Exactly. Yeah. Is that again yeah. mindfulness meditation? Like what sort of you know a couple of steps there could people start bringing in immediately to help? Bring yeah, it to a daily focus. Yes, come back to the present moment. Always, whatever you're doing, you could you could meditate all day long because it's just about being in the present moment with whatever you're doing. You could even plan a future event in the present moment. It's any task at all, vacuuming, doing the dishes. Uh, I do it when I'm in counseling sessions with people. I still work with people one-on-one all over the world, actually, mm-hmm. by video. So, um, you know, I just breathe. In that space, I kind of breathe in what they're telling me and, you know, imagine breathing out. It's a Tibetan uh, breath and imagine breathing out light into them to, you know, heal or or whatever they were going through. But you could do, you could be mindful in any situation you're in, just come to the present moment, come into your body out of that head, that monkey mind. Hmm. That's where we suffer is in that monkey mind where all the stories and the blame and this and the worries. We have to come into our body by being in the present moment over and over. And um, that is a beautiful, beautiful practice. Yeah, and again, it's a practice. So saying you've got to continually work out and it might take you, you know, well, I think you'll get some results from it straight away, to be honest, but um, it'll probably take you two years to master. I still have no idea what I'm doing there, but um, it seems to work. So. Yeah, the practice is it. You don't have to do it. You just have to practice it. That's the the great part. Yeah, love it. I uh, love it all. You've got a book out there as well, a bestseller, um, available on Amazon, uh, probably through your website, I assume, as well. But it's You uh, One Anxiety Zero, Win Your Life Back from Fear and Panic. So I'll stick the link in the show notes, guys. So if you want to check Thank it out you. there, um, do that and pick up a copy. Um, also, reach out to Jody and check out her website and the um the audible download etc they're available for you guys to to take away and and have a listen to so jody thanks very much for coming on thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure guys check it all out at thehiddenwire.com until next time peace passion and purpose to see you soon thank you for tuning in and listening to today's conversation 
I really hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've been able to take something away, something to help you create a more meaningful life, a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Guys, if you love the content that I produce here at The Hidden Why, there are a few ways you can support me. Firstly, connect with me. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can connect with me online at thehiddenwhy.com or via social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I would love to hear from you guys. I would love to connect with you. If you've got any thoughts, comments, feedback, suggestions, or anything at all that you'd like to ask me, you can reach me at thehiddenwhyguy at gmail.com. While you're there, guys, make sure you subscribe to thehiddenwhy.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can be kept up to date with all the new episodes and happenings here at The Hidden Why. If you love what you heard in this episode, guys, or any of the others, please share the love. Share it with your family, friends, and anyone you think that might get some value. If you haven't already done so, you can also leave me a review on iTunes. Simply head over to iTunes, type in The Hidden Why, click the Ratings and Reviews button, and leave me a short message plus a one to five star rating. It helps me reach more people. Once again, guys, I appreciate the time you've taken out of your day to support my show. Until next time, you know what to do. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose, and in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is the Hidden Why Podcast. My name is Liam Arnoldsey. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.